So growing up, I was a big procrastinator. All right? I put things off all of the time. If a teacher said that we had a paper due at the end of the week, to me, that just meant that I didn't have to do any homework until Thursday night. I wrote a lot of Thursday night papers. Actually, I said something to Casey about that this week, and she said she remembers that about me from when we were kids, that I was a procrastinator. Anyways, thankfully, years later, it's not as big a problem in my life, but from time to time, this comes back up. So, for example, after we moved to Florida years ago, I, I noticed that the windshield wipers on my car were getting a little worn down. It's probably time to replace them. But I didn't really think that needed to be a priority, so I just pushed that down on my list of things to do. And what I forgot was that while Florida is the self-proclaimed sunshine state, it is also the state of spontaneous and constant rain. It rains all the time. So one day I was in my car and this sudden thunderstorm began pouring rain. I turned my windshield wipers on full blast and as I tried to see through the flood to make sure I was staying on the road, all of a sudden something flew off of my windshield. And after about a minute, I realized that it was the rubber part of that windshield wiper. And I realized that because I had been treated to the enjoyable sound of metal scraping back and forth across my windshield. So I turned the wipers off as quick as I could, but it's too late. After that, for years, I had a constant reminder of my procrastination with these scratches all across my windshield. And maybe you're here and you're like me, not the car thing, but you procrastinate. You, you put things off. If you are like me, you know that sometimes there are consequences for that. Or maybe you're here and, like my wonderful wife, you can't imagine living a life of procrastination. If that's true for you, God bless you. We procrastinators, we need you in our lives. Amen. Yes, yes. But regardless of how you approach the situations, the decisions in life, whether it's by immediately addressing them or putting them off, regardless of that, it seems that many of God's people are procrastinators when it comes to the pursuit of His will in our lives. In other words, there are things that we know God has in mind for us, commands for us to follow, purposes to fulfill, yet many times we wait. We know that He wants us to share the gospel with that person, but we say we'll do it the next time we see Him. We know that that sin needs to be pushed out of our lives, yeah, but we say that it doesn't need to happen today. Or we know that God wants us to serve Him in a certain way. But we say, maybe that's for another season of life. Maybe that's for next month. But like procrastinating the things of this life, when we procrastinate the things that God has for us, we'll find that there are consequences many times. We'll find the loss of blessings, and ultimately, that we have missed out on the joy of following His will in our lives. Church, we need to remember the things God has called us to and then pursue those things. Israel needed to remember that too. We're going to see that as we turn together to Joshua chapter 18. To have your Bible, I'd encourage you to follow along with us in Joshua 18. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can use one of those Bibles under the seats in front of you. If you'd like to use one of those, you can turn to page 183. Page 183, Joshua chapter 18. 18. Now, as you turn there, keep in mind 
that it has been over 400 years at this point, it's been over 400 years since God made that promise to Abraham to give his descendants this incredible land. Many long years had passed since then. Years where Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, had experienced a time of slavery, years of wandering in the wilderness, and then years of battle in the promised land. But those major battles had been won by God. The land was largely at rest, and now the 12 tribes of Israel could enter into that long-awaited inheritance that God had for them. So I want you to think for a minute before we read this, how would you feel if you were in those 12 tribes? In that moment in the book of Joshua, how would you feel? I mean, would you be excited to finally be done wandering around, to finally be going from place to place, to finally have your place to put down some roots? Would you be looking forward to that? Let's see how they responded. Joshua chapter 18, verse 1, says this. The whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control, but there were still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. So Joshua said to the Israelites, How long will you wait? before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you. How long will you wait? He asked them. All right, so look, the Israelites set up their base camp while the land was subdued before them. I mentioned this before. There were still enemies in the land. All right? But they had gained enough control that they could stop, divide it up, and then each tribe could take care of its own territory on their own. And some tribes had already started doing that, but apparently there are these seven tribes that were just standing around, twiddling their thumbs in the camp. And Joshua says, why? What are you doing? What are you standing there for? Look, everything's ready. Battles have been won. Why aren't you stepping into the land that God has given you? I mean, why were they putting this off? If you were them? You know, I was thinking back to when Casey and I bought our house, and I remember, I remember when we visited it one last time before we signed the papers, and I can still picture the place where Casey was standing when she looked at me and literally jumped up and down because she was so excited that we finally found it. We finally found this home that God was blessing us with, and we're so grateful for it. And we're grateful that we no longer are moving from apartment to apartment, which we had done for many years. And I look at the Israelites, and I don't know about you, but if I had spent my whole life living in tents, like the Israelites, moving from place to place, and then God finally gave me a place to build a home, I'd be jumping up and down. I'd be so excited. That's not what we found them doing, though. I mean, for years, these tribes, they knew the plan that God had for them. The plan was that they were going to enter into the land and drive out the wicked inhabitants of the land, and then they were going to live in the land. And so far, they've been faithful to do some of these things. They went into the land, forced out those wicked people. But now it's that sweet part where they got to dwell in the land. They got to live there. But now that that had come, they were, they were just waiting around. They are procrastinating. They were putting the next step off. Why would they do that? We could probably speculate all day why they were doing this, but what was clear is that they needed to stop waiting and they needed to go. So that's what Joshua told them. Look at verse 4. 
These were his instructions. He said, Appoint three men from each tribe. I'll send them out to make a survey of the land and to write a description of it according to the inheritance of each. Then they'll return to me. You're to divide the land into seven parts. Judah is to remain in its territory on the south and the tribes of Joseph in their territory on the north. After you've written the descriptions of the seven parts of the land, bring them here to me and I'll cast lots for you in the presence of the Lord our God. The Levites, however, do not get a portion among you because the priestly service of the Lord is their inheritance. And Gad, Reuben, the half-tribe of Manasseh have already received their inheritance on the east side of the Jordan. Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave it to them. As the men started on their way to map out the land, Joshua instructed them, Go and make a survey of the land and write a description of it. Then return to me, and I'll cast lots for you here at Shiloh in the presence of the Lord. So the men left, went through the land. They wrote its description on a scroll, town by town, in seven parts, and returned to Joshua in the camp at Shiloh. Joshua then cast lots for them in Shiloh in the presence of the Lord, and there he distributed the land to the Israelites according to their tribal divisions. All right. So Joshua tells them, stop standing around. Stop putting off what God has in mind for you. Go take a survey of the land. We get some of the description of the land in the following verses, in the following chapter. And I realize that the description of the land, describing it, surveying it, that probably doesn't sound exciting to us, does it? But it should have been exciting for them. You know, I would love to take a lot of time this morning to tell you about my childhood home, the property that it sat on, uh, the hills in the backyard where the sledding was best, a little creek at the end of the property. I'd love to tell you about that tree that grew those nasty green apples or where you could find the best really big rocks on the property. But these things wouldn't matter to a lot of you, but they're special to me. And this, this was the Israelites' home now. It was special to them. It mattered to them. This was their inheritance from God. And for whatever reason they had put off receiving it before, now was the time. Finally, they moved forward. They took the survey. And in the following verses of this chapter, in chapter 19, the rest of the land is divided for those seven tribes. But until they did this, they were missing out on the joys that God had in mind for them because they had just been standing around. They needed to stop waiting and they needed to go. Once they did that, they were able to enter into the rest that God was giving. So why, why bring all this up? How can we apply this to our lives today? You know, I looked at this passage and I saw a lot of great truths in it, but I couldn't get past the fact that as I looked at it, I thought about how so many of us today as Christians are living like those tribes in chapter 18. We're procrastinating, putting off the will of God for our lives, His commands towards us. We're missing out on the joy of what He has for us. How long will we wait before we begin to wholeheartedly follow the Lord, the God of our salvation? Church, we need to stop waiting and we need to go and pursue His purposes in this life. Because you see, we might be busy in life. We might be busy about certain things, but the question is, are we busy about following God's commands? Are we serving Him with our talents, with our spiritual gifts? Are we pursuing His will when He makes it clear? 
Because if we're neglecting these things, then we're living just like those procrastinating tribes in the camp. They were probably still doing things like eating and, and sleeping and taking care of themselves, but by ignoring God's purposes, they were living unfaithful lives. And we might stay busy ignoring God's purposes for us, then we aren't living faithful lives. And there are consequences for our spiritual procrastination, our spiritual laziness, those times when we put off God's will, and one of those consequences is that we miss out on the joys of God's will for us. See, until the Israelites were mobilized, until they got up and got to work, they might have been doing some good things. It might have even felt some contentment, but they weren't doing the great things that God had called them to, to receive the lands, to build homes, to dwell in it. They were missing out on that greater joy that obedience to God's will brings. And it seems today that many Christians are just moving through the motions of life. It's eat, work, sleep, eat, work, sleep, sprinkle some family in there. And we might feel contentment at times, but we often do these things while putting off the greater things God has called us to do. To serve Him, to share the gospel, to live righteously, to bring Him glory in all of our situations. We need to wake up and get to work for the Lord so that we won't miss out on the joy of His will in our lives. Sadly, spiritual laziness causes us to miss out on a lot of those joys. But another consequence when we put off the will of God in our lives is that we miss out on the eternal rewards that He has for His faithful people. To show you what I mean, let's go ahead, if you're following along in your Bible, and turn to the New Testament, to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to start in verse 14. Here in Matthew 25, Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And as he continues teaching in verse 14, he shares a parable. So he's sharing a story to convey spiritual truths. And in this story, in this parable, we are introduced to another lazy individual. Now we're going to read this in its entirety together. This is again in Matthew 25, verse 14. Jesus said this, he said again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See? I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, 
I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid. Went out and hid your gold in the ground. See? Here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So in the parable, the master leaves for an unspecified amount of time. And when he does, he gives a sum of money to each of his servants according to their ability. Now, church, our Savior left this earth 2,000 years ago, and we don't know when he's going to return. But in the meantime, he's given each of us a role in his kingdom work, a spiritual gift to serve his church, and opportunities in each of our lives to bring him glory. Now, let's not go complaining about what God has asked us to do or complaining about what he's given others to do instead of us. Keep in mind that he gives according to our ability, and he knows us. Just like the master in the parable knew his servants, that was clear because the first two came forward and it doubled what had been given to them. He knew their ability. Then when he calls them to come in and give an account of what they've given, those first two servants were praised. They heard their master say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. They shared their master's joy. They were rewarded with more responsibilities. This is what each of us should desire as servants of Jesus Christ. We should desire that when we stand before him to give an account of our lives, which we will, believers, that in those moments we will hear those sweet words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And those of us who are faithful to pursue God's will and purposes will not only have great direction and unshakable joy in this life, but will receive eternal rewards, greater things after this life. His faithful people can look forward to his return with eagerness, knowing that we'll enter into his presence with great joy. But then there was that third servant. Yeah, he didn't make anything, make any effort, didn't make any profit. He, he made accusations, though, right? He said, you're a hard man. Oh, yeah, you, you harvest where you haven't sown. You gather where you haven't scattered. He made excuses. He said, well, I was uh, afraid, so I hid the money in the ground. That servant was described as lazy, as wicked, 
as worthless. Because you know what? So were his efforts. For him, there were no rewards, no entering of joy, only terrible consequences. And how many of us today, as followers of Jesus Christ, how many of us make no effort to live for the Lord? How many of us instead make accusations towards the Lord? We say that you've given me too hard of a situation. That this lot in my life is too difficult. Why didn't you give me what you gave to that person? Or we make excuses about living for the Lord. We say what you've given me to do is just, just too hard. Or living for you, it's, it's, it's too scary. I'm afraid what people will say. How they'll treat me. Believers, God has entrusted each of us with certain spiritual gifts. He has good works and gospel witnessing for each of us to accomplish in our lives. We should not be discontent with the direction and call that He puts on our lives or the spiritual gifts that He gives, the clear purposes He guides us to. Instead, we should work diligently to follow His commands and His purposes. When we fail to do that, we miss out on His purpose for our lives and the joy of it, and then we miss out on those eternal rewards when we stand before Him after this life. Living a life like that is lazy. It's wicked. It's disobedient. Instead of standing around twiddling our thumbs or being lazy with His gifts, we should strive to live for the Lord. So if you know that God has gifted you in a certain way to serve Him and serve His church, then serve. If you know that God is calling you to share the gospel with that friend, that family member, that neighbor, that coworker, then share the gospel. If you know that He is calling you to stand up for Him in a particular way in your place of work, then stand up with integrity. Abandon sin, so obey. We should strive to live faithfully, not lazily, so that when this life is over, or when He calls us home, we'll hear those sweet words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, you've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So church, until the Lord returns or calls us home, let's not be found living wicked or lazy lives of faith. Let's not be found moving through the motions of life when our Savior has so many good things for us to do for Him. Let's be faithful to the God who calls us to live for Him. And if you wonder what a life like that should look like, consider, consider what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter 1. He said this to the Colossian believers in chapter 1, verse 9. This is what Paul said. He said, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. And that has been my prayer for all of us, church, this week. This is my prayer, that we would be filled with the knowledge of God and of His will, that we would live a life worthy of the Lord, that we would please Him in every way, that we would bear fruit, that we would grow in the knowledge of God. 
Remember this, remember this truth, that when we live diligently for Jesus Christ, we can look forward to standing before him at the end of this life. Remember that. And then let's choose to live diligently for him. This life is short. So let's make the most of our time. Let's be diligent. Let's be faithful to what he's called us to. Let's stop standing around. Let's not be found waiting around, pushing things off. Instead, let's get about our Father's business, church. And the great thing is, we can do a lot of that together. We can serve Him together, pursue Him together. There's always opportunities to do that. Church, I'd encourage you as we close in just a moment with our final invitation song to go to the Lord in prayer. Praise Him for those gifts in your life, for the things He's called you to. If you're not sure what He's calling you to do right now, pray to Him, and I promise you, He'll make that clear in time. Dedicate yourself to be obedient to Him. But if you're here and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, you've never given your life to Him, please know that one day you too will stand before Jesus to give an account of your life. The Bible says that it's destined each person once to die, and then the judgment. We're all going to stand before Him. And if He's not your Savior, please understand that no amount of good works are going to get you into heaven when this life is over. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 that on that day, when people stand before Him, He said many people are going to say to Him, Lord, didn't we do all these things for You? Didn't we cast out demons, perform miracles, do all these good things? And Jesus said He's going to look at them. You see, it's not about the good things that we do. That doesn't make us right in God's sight. No, it's all about what Jesus Christ did for us. The Bible says the problem is that we all have sin, and we can't make up for our sin. No amount of good works, going to church or prayer is going to do that. So Jesus Christ came to this earth and did what we can't do. He lived a perfect life because he's the Son of God. And at the end of that life, Jesus willingly died on the cross to take our place, to take the punishment our sin deserves. That's what he was doing on the cross, taking the wrath for our sin. After Jesus died, he was buried, and three days later, powerfully rose from the dead, proving that he is who he said he is. Now, he's no mere man. He's the Son of God. He's the only one who can forgive us, the only one who can rescue us from the penalty of hell. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's about giving your life to Jesus Christ in faith. Friend, it's when you've done that that you can have that confidence you've been made right. It's when you've done that that you can have that confidence that when you stand before him, he's going to welcome you into heaven with open arms. If you haven't done that, I want to give you the opportunity to do that before you leave. And believers, for those of us who have made that decision, let's make sure that we are living a life that pleases Christ so that when we stand before him and he welcomes us into heaven, we hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Would you pray with me? If you're here and Jesus isn't your Savior, please know that during this final song, you can come up front and talk with me. If you have questions about that, you can pray with me. But if you're ready right now to give your life to Christ, then I want you to know that you can do that right now. You can go to Jesus Christ in prayer and you can tell Him that you, you know you're a sinner. You know you've made mistakes. You know you've done wrong things. You know you've broken His commands. 
but that you know He died on the cross for your sins. You believe that He didn't stay in the grave, but rose from the dead. And friend, if you ask Him for forgiveness, if you ask Him to be your Savior, I promise you that that prayer you offer in faith, Jesus will save you of all your sins. He'll adopt you into His family. He'll give you eternal life. Father, I pray that for anybody here who still has not made that decision, that they would think seriously about these things. That they would not wager their eternity on their goodness, the good deeds they've done, but that they would look to the great thing that you have done for us. Father, for those of us who have given our lives to Jesus Christ, help us not to coast through life, just moving through the motions, content with salvation, but choosing not to do the good works you prepared in advance for us to do. No, help us not to be lazy. Help us to dedicate ourselves to you. And Father, if there are those of us here who need to do that this morning, to rededicate our hearts to you, to tell you that we're ready to take those steps, we're ready to be obedient, then I pray that we would fall on our knees before you during this final song of invitation. That we start living for you so that you'd be glorified in our lives. Father, thank you. Thank you for having great things for us to do in this life for you. I pray you'd help us to be a church that's busy about your business. Father, we love you. But you proved 2,000 years ago when you sent your son that you love us more. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.